Welcome to another in our series of Kehillat Israel podcasts. This is a recording of Rabbi Amy Bernstein's weekly Friday morning Torah study. The words of Torah that we are looking at this morning. Uh, I was going to take you through the laws of the Nazarites, but uh, I'm concerned we won't get as far as we need to in order to do this part that we're at, 622. And I want to make sure we spend some time here. Uh, I laughed when Rabbi Hyman was here and uh, teaching Torah last week. And uh, we talked about how we always get to the end of the of the <laughs> section. Always, right? We always get there. And then he, I laughed again when he said something about he didn't like the translation. I'm like, wait, stop. You just blew their heads open, right? You just blew their minds. They've never had anyone argue with the translation. All right. So anyway, due to our wonderful habit uh, of not making it very far, um, I want to make sure we start at at 622. So do you want to read, Robert? We make it very far. We just don't make it so far in the portion. Right. We we get deep. We just don't get far. I don't know. I spoke to Moses. Speak to Aaron and his sons. Thus shall you bless the people of Israel. Say to them, Adonai bless you and protect you. Adonai deal kindly and graciously with you. Adonai bestow favor upon you and grant you peace. Thus shall I link my name with the people of Israel, and I will bless them. So we're going to start unpacking this a little bit. So first of all, who who does this involve? Like who who's doing this blessing business? Yes, so God commands that Aharon and his sons go to Varchu at Bnei Israel. So, so will you bless the people of Israel, right? With we know that something's going to come after Ko, like thus. And I guess is what we're used to hearing in English, right? Thus shall you bless the people. So we know something's coming that's going to refer to this Ko, to refer to this thus. Tivarchu shall y'all bless. Thank you. Thus shall y'all bless B'nai Israel, the people of Israel, Amor lahem, say to them, which is interesting. Yeah? Um, we don't see this very often in this sense, this word Amor. First of all, we don't see it spelled like this. Generally, we don't see the Vav, that second Vav. Um, but Amor lahem doesn't really usually convey a sense of ritual, right? Usually it's say to them, meaning it's instruction. You're going to tell them something, right? God speaks to Moses Lamor saying, and so it's a, it's an odd, uh, an odd verb to use here of what, uh, that Aaron and his banav and his sons are supposed to do to the people. Amor lahem, say to them. So here are the words they are going to pronounce over the people. Yeah? And I'm going to do this in English, don't worry. Read it, does it say somewhere, y'all bless the people? That's the translation. Yep. (laughs) You know me. You know me. I'm literal in these things. So it's y'all, right? Tivarchu, y'all shall bless. The people of Israel saying to them, Yivarechacha Adonai v'yishmerecha, Ya'er Adonai panav, Elecha, biyichunecha, 
Okay. What's next? Nisa? Yeah? Better be. <laughs> or I've been doing it wrong for a really long time. Yisa Adonai Panav Elecha Vyasem Lecha Shalom. Okay. Tell me the root of this first word. What's going on in this first word? Blessing. Alright, how do we know? There you go. Bet, Resh. Did I add a half? I might have added a half here. No, I did not. <laughs> Alright. Yivarecha So we have Bet, Resh, Chaf. Whenever we see B, R, Ch in a row, we talked about this the other night, yes? Bracha. Baruch, right? So usually means what? Okay, blessing. And normally when we talk about blessings, uh, particularly in rabbinic Hebrew, who are we usually blessing? God. Generally, Baruch Ata Adonai. This is where we know the word Baruch. Baruch Et Adonai HaMevorach, right? We know all this bracha business. Usually we are blessing God. And certainly there is a very old tradition. Here it is. It's very ancient. There's an ancient tradition of blessing people. So one of the first questions we need to ask if we're talking about blessing, whether we're blessing God or we're blessing people, what does it mean to bless? Like we kind of think we know what that is, but but, but do we really know what that is? Like It wishes goodness upon Wishing goodness. Okay, so is blessing wishing? Well, bestowing. Bestowing. Do I have the power to bestow goodness on someone? Beckoning it. Like drawing it asking Beckoning it. Directing it at. I like beckoning. Asking for. So who are we asking it of? So when we bless people, we are beckoning it, we are asking it of God for this person. Okay, so then in some sense we become an agent, right, of that process, right? Because it suggests if I don't do this blessing business, something won't happen that might happen if I do this blessing, or why would we do the blessing? The priest is the intermediary, intermediary, and I guess what I'm suggesting is every time we bless someone, in a sense... We become an intermediary. So we love to see that the priests were the only intermediaries we ever had. We never had any more. Really, that's not exactly true. Every time I bless you, right, I, I am functioning in a sense as an intermediary. What I love about it is it's very democratic, right? Anyone can serve as an intermediary between the divine and the human being. All they have to do is, well, would you like to say more, George, about the string on your wrist? Well, I went to India. You went to India. And I got blessed and I am protected. <laughs> and, and this is by showering and what have you. This is three months and it's a little piece of string. I don't understand it. So, so this little piece of string, what happened to that piece of string before it got put on your wrist? I bet something happened. Uh, 
Some words. <laughs> yes, some words. So, so did the person take the string? Yeah. And, and then what? Said some words? Said some words and tied it. And then tied it on your wrist. Right. right? So the, the, the string becomes a reminder, a token of the words that were said and the beckoning and the asking for that happened to remind you that that happened, right? So um, so there's a token, and there's some way that we feel as human beings, this is terrestrial human culture, THC, human beings feel when they can have a talisman like that, a token of the blessing, they're protected when they wear that token. This is across all cultures. St. Christopher. This appears through all cultures, right? What's good to, what's interesting to know about this bracha, it's one of the oldest pieces of written text we've ever found. And it was used very, very early on in Israel as a talisman. It was written on, uh, parchment and it was rolled up really, really, really tight and it was put in a leather Holder for the rich people, it was put in silver, and it was worn, right, by Israelites as a sign of, or as a token of being blessed, right, and and we're going to see protected, right, all right, so so we know we're dealing with something about blessing, whatever beckoning, asking for, right, the priests are doing this on behalf of the Israelites, right? But the priests, in this case, are being commanded by God to say these words so that God may bless the people. So it's a little different, right, than what we usually think of, because of course we're going to ask, may God bless you, and of course we're knowing that God's going to bless you, but we're not saying, I bless you, right? We're... We're saying, I'm going to say these words so that God may bless you. And okay. Maybe that's still the only, if, if these are the words that we currently use, and this is where all of our supposed, you know, our blessing people come from, then maybe we're just um, erroneous in thinking that we have any agency or intermediary power, but really it's always and only God who can bless. And if this is the source, then God's... Yeah, it's not Aaron and Moses' blessing. That's critical. That's critical to this. I'm sorry, I meant to give this to you so that you're not just staring at the Hebrew up here. Um, yes. It is only God who can bless. Aaron and the and his sons, Aaron and the priests, are the vehicle through which the people are blessed. So... There have been questions raised very early in the tradition about why. Right? Like, if it's God doing the blessing, why doesn't God just bless the people? Why does God, why Aaron and his sons? Like, why put somebody in there, in between? So they're more tangible than God. Ah. So that the people can identify with those who are working for them. And because otherwise, if they don't have those people to identify with, you have to what? Just kind of trust that you're blessed, right? Like God could say, okay, I'm going to bless you and keep you. I'm going to shine my face upon you, blah, 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 blah. Right? God, God could just say that here. But then what happens, right? Okay, we just go, well, I trust that that's so. <laughs> like, 
right? The priests serve as the way to remind the people that they are indeed blessed. Right. Right. Okay. But this doesn't answer the deeper question, which is, it sounds superstitious to me, very superstitious. It's a cultural tradition, but how does that jive with um, one person asking for a blessing and getting a, a blessing, and not everybody getting a blessing, and people now are saying, I'm so blessed. Well, it becomes a superstitious thing like a talisman that is um, sort of meaningless. So part of part of our work spiritually is always to try to figure out that difference between ritual and superstition. Mm-hmm. It's a very close yeah. line. Yeah. It's very close, right? So what's the difference? Right? That's part of the work too. What's the difference between a superstition and a ritual. One works and one doesn't. <laughs> okay. One works and one doesn't. But I think, I think I would challenge that only in that if you say I have a superstition about walking under ladders, people who say, who will call that superstitious will walk around the ladder because they believe that's efficacious. Right. So is that really the distinction that one works and one doesn't? It's belief. I believe both. Well, uh, today we look at this as as myth, this story. But, and they didn't at that time. Going back to what the story was, this isn't just anybody who's standing up there. This is one of two or a very few people who actually talk to God. So, so So they believe. Right. Moses did. Aaron gets called, gets talked to a couple of times, and one or two other people got that lucky. But uh, if you want to call that lucky, <laughs> you know, again, that's the story which they clearly bought into. So they, as you say, they, they, this was serious that somebody who who actually got to talk to God is telling them this. At least that's sort of the way I read it. That's how important it would have been to them. And and it it would have then, had that been the primary, stayed the primary association of why it was valuable, it would have fallen out after there were no more priests, right? Um, It remains powerful for us, I think, because of the experience of being blessed and of giving that blessing, right? We do it in the synagogue. It survived into the synagogue. And as a ritual, because it begins with the priests, not just here, but like literally we know the priests blessed the people with this blessing. We don't have a lot from here that we know happened, but they ble- we've seen, right, the archaeological evidence that people were wearing these. So it was in use. We know that. We found it in a lot of places. Um, and, and it's very old. And even the language here is old. It, it's actually older than priestly language, um, which tells us it probably was in fashion or it was employed before even the priestly tradition it's that old um, and it survived so the priests bless the people with it but it survives into the synagogue and then into the home 
Where is it in the home? Friday night at the table, right? The parent would bless the child with this blessing. Does the parent also do? No, the parent's not a priest, right? So we're going to talk. But we're going to talk about that. But the rabbi does. No, absolutely not. Only the priest. God forbid. Are you trying to draw down lightning, Judith? God forbid. That's zappage. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Okay, so... um, Okay. There's lots of places to go. Okay. So you have your sheet so you can see uh, the English. So Yivarecha, we've explored that a little. Who's going to bless you? Yod hey vav right? Okay, you can't see that, can you? Judah's gonna say, we can't see that. Okay. Yivarechacha Adonai, so God's gonna bless you, and what? What's the next verb we get? Yeah, we're gonna get sha shin mem resh, right? Whenever you hear sh ma ru together, what are we talking about? Ah, what are we talking about when we say shamaru? Protect. Where else do we, what else do we know it as? Shamor v'zachor. You shall remember and you shall keep. In that sense, guard. Or keep as in keep. (laughs) <laughs> right? So shamor, protect, keep, guard. So translate that. God, make God bless you and keep you, protect you, guard you, keep you safe. Right? I mean, I always, in parentheses, I always hear the word safe. Right? Rita? I, I'm not sure if you're going to go there. But okay, let's go, let's go. Um, it says that you should say to them, and then each of these blessings is to an individual, ah. singular rather than plural. So nice. How do we unpack that? You shall say to them, the people Israel, you individual Israelite. So it's done. It's done publicly to the people. But to each one. But it's addressed to each one. So it's very personal. It's very personal. It's very personal. That when the priests are up there, they are speaking to me. Each one of us. Not the collective. Alright, so let's look at, let's look at what this means. May God bless you and may God Guard you, protect you, keep you safe. Okay. So what does blessing mean to the rabbis? The rabbis look at the Torah and they say whenever we see God blessing people in Torah, it always means, says this rabbinic argument, it always means material blessing. Your crops are going to be good. You're not going to, right, no one's going to be carried off in war. You're going to thrive. Your kneading baskets will overflow. Your flocks will have many babies, right? It's, it's material blessing. Always when we see God blessing Israel in the Torah. So the rabbis argue that's what this half of this bracha means. May you know material comfort. 
and success. And every gift, every blessing comes with a danger. What's the danger of material blessing? You might worship the material. You might overindulge in the material. You might get distracted by the material to a place where you're now behaving in a way that's antithetical mm-hmm. to blessing. You can be drawn into the material in such a way that you now start behaving in a way that would not leave you blessed. Yeah? That is what God is protecting you from. Say the rabbis. May God bless you with material wealth and may God protect you from what that can do to you. A beautiful, beautiful rabbinic interpretation, if you ask me, of of that. Um, Why what made them put material in there? Because they start to ask, what what does... What does blessing mean? That God's gonna, God, may God bless you. What, what does that, what does that mean? What does that look like? What is, what's the result of that? Is it some ephemeral thing that, okay, I'm blessed. I'm so blessed. Oh, okay. For them, it, it lacked teeth. In those times, it was survival. And that what does blessing really mean? It means you're gonna, ha- may God bless you with everything that you need. To live. To live. To live a good life. Your children should know health and education and all that stuff that you can only give them if you have material wealth. And then may God protect you from what that can bring. For every curse is a blessing. For every blessing is a curse. Correct. Correct. There's a there's a curse on the other on the flip side of the blessing of material wealth. Arrogance, right? Cynicism, debauchery. Sliding into only wanting pleasure? Greed. Greed. I want more. Because now that I have this, I need, I need a bigger yacht. Trump Tower. Trump Tower, right? There you go. Okay. So, let's, let's move on. And, and I'm not suggesting it's the only reading. I'm just trying to bring you some of the beautiful teachings and, and readings of our tradition around this. That's just wonderful. The material still bothers me. Okay. Um, I have to say, talking about the superstition, how do you know that it's real is because it's efficacious. Well, I've stood at many a bar and bat mitzvah because at the end of the ceremony, we bless them in front of the open ark with this blessing, which is always terribly moving to me because it is really the one time when I'm a rabbi, maybe sometimes at the high holidays, where I feel my role as a priestess. That I feel truly, not fe- I experience being an intermediary. On the community, God, everybody wishing blessings on this child's head. It's incredibly moving every time. Sometimes it's distressing. Because sometimes I'm dealing with a family that has had devastating tragedy. So how do I pray in front of that family, blessing that child in front of the open ark, may God bless you and keep you safe, unlike what God did for your father. It's a very hard blessing to say, since I don't believe there's a God who keeps some people safe and not other people. So how do I stay true to what I say 
to these children. I do want them safe. I do wish that for them. I want to call that down on them. But do I believe petitioning God is going to achieve that? No. Do I hope somehow shifting that energy causes some kind of a force field around them? Yeah. Do I believe that works? I don't know. Do I stop doing this? But do they believe it works? Well, it's just as scary on that side. Because if that girl that I blessed a few weeks ago believes it, then God may keep me safe, but God didn't keep my father safe. He's not here. He's dead. But should she believe it's going to keep her safe? You can't have one without the other. Right. That is probably... That's my... I'm not arguing that it's not a good thing that she feel that she's being blessed and kept safe. I'm not saying that. I'm saying... If you think at all past that at all as a thinking human being about God and what that means in the world, you can't have God keeps me safe without God didn't keep my father safe. Why? Right? So, of course, I don't believe in a God that picked one. Because I don't have a God who can protect us. So, what do I mean? This is the dilemma. This is, this is the dilemma of, right, of non-fundamentalist, non-literal Jewish life and liturgical life. Well, then maybe all ultimately God can protect is our spirit. Mm. God can protect us as material beings. God can only protect our spirit. And it's so because if, if you look at the flip side of material, what, what is the flip side of being blessed with material wealth? It's the arrogance and the greed and being consumed by materialism. So, so what, so the protection is not the protection of the material. It's the protection of your spirit so that your spirit does not become changed by the material, right? So doesn't that allow you also to square the circle of the, the, the fact that a child's parent has died, tragic as that, as that is, that's something that's sort of happened in the material world. And we're, and you're hoping that, that the child's spirit is preserved and, and kept safe. So that definitely is something I can live with. Mm-hmm. What, what's hard is to translate that into English. Right when I when I say the blessing to the child out loud, I always translate. Chaim says the Hebrew. Right. I don't say the Hebrew. Mm-hmm. Chaim sings the Hebrew. I say the English. So right, either I need to tamper with, right. the, and I'm not above tampering. I tamper a lot at the end. I tamper a whole lot at the end with the English with the Hebrew. Uh, but I would need to figure out language. Make There's I no time for the three extra paragraphs. <laughs> this is what we really mean. <laughs> right. But I'm just lifting up that we. Inherent in here is kind of that tension between any time we use blessing language. Like, do I really believe in a God who's going to do that or not do that? Right? It's 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 a tension within the whole system of blessing, really, or or mishaberach and of the God concept and of the God concept. Correct. Correct. Well, it's, may God keep you safe, right? The, the implication is all of me, right? That, Physical that, and spiritual. Yeah, because they certainly could have said, dealt with this in a spiritual sense. Yes, 100%. But they, the rabbis believed petitioning God 
could be efficacious. They believed in a God who would listen and do it, right? So for them, that's not a problem. It's only a problem for we who don't have that kind of a God. Yeah. And it's a healthier state of being. And what? It's a healthier state of being. It's a better angle to look at it that way. I mean, you have your choice. Of? To look at it positively, to to yield, to to wish the good wishes, and to stay in the positive, and to hope and pray that it will be okay. Okay. We got to move on. See, see, this is it good? We started where we started. Okay, because we got so far, right? <laughs> we got through the first line of the blessing. All right, the second line. So, ya'er. What is ya'er? This is a verb. What does it come from? Or. Or. What is or? Light. Light. As a verb. Okay, so you you sit with that for a minute. And light. Ya'er. Who's going to do the ya'erin? Adonai. Ya'er Adonai. Panav is what? Face. Face. God's face. Ya'er Adonai Panav Elecha. What is Elecha? To you. V'yichuneka. What is V'yichuneka from? What are my central letters here? The central concept. Chain. What is chain? Grace. Now, it's a verb that God is doing to you. So, so figure that out. So now let's try to translate it. How are you going to translate this? May God what? Enlighten. Enlighten what? Oh, God yes, enlighten light. what? The light of God. The, it's a verb. Oh, hmm. <laughs> shine. Shine. Light up. Light up. What's going to light up or shine? Face. Whose face? God's face. God's face. God's face. But it's may God show His face. Ah. May God shine or light up God's face to you. What? (laughs) Everyone's like, huh? It was better before we knew. Right? Right? Mm hmm. Is this at all related to uh, you know the stories that Moses, when he went to see God, came back radiant? Okay, so so let's let's say yes, it connects. So what would? But this is so this is not the person who's getting the blessing. God is going to cause God's face to light. Towards you. I see this as something is happening here. Pay attention. So you're you're not going to see God's face light up, but take this moment, hear these words, and pay attention because something 
powerful, meaningful is happening here? Certainly, I think that's here. Certainly, I think that's here. For sure. In all of it. It's just very important. Something, pay attention. Something's big happening here. And important, hopefully, or else it's useless. Right? Why do it? Um, but it's an interesting business we have going on here. I think this is making me cast my vote for superstition. <laughs> After there's, there's this feeling of it makes sense if you think that being in the darkness is not good. Okay. Bad things always happen at three in the morning. Okay, so so dark is bad. Dark so is we bad. know shining your light already. Good. That's good. That's already good because dark scares us. Dark is bad. So so we know light. Okay, we're gonna invoke light. That's a worldwide concept and very present in Judaism. I have an image of someone on a stage and the spotlight comes on the person, and not always a pleasant experience, <laughs> but it is being seen, being surrounded in light, having it beamed on you. It's very direct and intense. So who? So that light, that spotlight, is what? Is God's face beaming light at you because the blessing says, may God flip the switch. Yeah. Right? The spotlight's, it's always there. The bulb is there. The electricity's there. What's the bracha? The bracha is may God flip the switch that lights up God's face towards you Okay, so now spotlight is the holy spotlight is on you. But then you said it's a verb, it's an action, so wouldn't that imply that in order for you to receive this God's light, you have to be present. So th- so receiving, so we have to talk about receiving for all of it. Right. right? Not just this line, all of it. I, I have to show up. To receive, and yes, if God is going to shine, well, but actually, God can shine God's light towards me, my back. I don't have to be paying attention. No, no, that spotlight can shine no matter where I am or what I'm doing. But it's His face. God's face doesn't say anything about my face. No, but but if God's face is to shine, you have to be able to see that. No, you don't. No, you don't. Yeah, that's right. The spotlight's still going, even if I'm not looking. I can sit at the, this is one of my spiritual teacher's favorite things. He was like sitting at the edge of the Grand Canyon with a paper bag over your head. It's like, the Grand Canyon's still there. Are we apprehending it? So I want to take this one step. Whether or not you're. Correct. God's good. The blessing is may God shine God's great spotlight no on what. you no matter what. Whether you're paying attention or not, whether you believe it or not, whether you care about it or not, you will be lit upon. That's the bracha. So we don't have to be open to receiving? There's no cause or effect stated here. Hmm. But then we sing this little light of mine. <laughs> it, it, it sounds very much like a parent, a child. Lovely. I think there's very much an element of parent-child here and an element of beloved, of intimacy, right? Um, So the other thing I want to say is once that spotlight shines towards you, 
it doesn't just shine towards you. It's going to shine past you, right? Like it, I don't stop all the light with my body, right? So I always kind of also imagine if God, the light, if God causes God's face to shine towards you, I have this image of it lights your path, right? That light goes around you and past you and behind you, like it's towards you means it goes out ahead of you also is like this image I have of light has been cast upon your path. Lovely. Lighting up the distance between the divine and the one being blessed. When you have a great teacher and something comes up in your life and it reminds you of his or her teaching, you see that person. And so this to me is, no no matter what, that teaching is always there lit up before you. Beautiful. Whenever you are standing in the light of someone's teaching, don't you see their face? Yes. That someone's face lights up? So this is the language of parent and beloved, if you ask me. So yes, it's saying may God cause God's face to light up. I also feel like may you cause God's face to shine. Right? Like a parent. May you be in this world in such a way that God's face lights up when it's Elecha, when it's towards you. I learned something this morning that I want to share. I had a communication from my granddaughter in Israel who has been working on birthright. And now Israel has a program for uh, soldiers, ex-soldiers who are suffering from PTSD. You don't have to be Jewish to be brought to Israel to participate in this program where they treat it like birthright in some ways. Take these soldiers around all over the country and heal them. And she's a part of it. So does that cause your face to shine? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's... I think that's, I, I can't help but read that in here. That, that, you know, and this is what, when I bless the, I'll, when we close, I'll give you the blessing I, the English I use to bless the kids, but that concept is definitely present in my that is not superstitious. English, and that is not superstitious. All right, um, let's go here. Okay, let's notice, I want us to notice, I'm underlining twice. We get a pattern here, in case you haven't noticed. We get verb, Yod hey vav hey, verb. Verb, yod hey vav hey, verb. We're gonna get verb, yod hey vav hey, verb. Okay? Got, doing something, God, do something. Doing something, God, doing something. That's the pattern. It is important that we know the pattern. And we're gonna look at other patterns in it too. Um, how many words here? One, two, three. How many words in the second blessing? Five. 
Ah, how many, yeah, how many in the next one? Of course, has to be. You read ahead. You, you are want, as you are want to do. Three, five, and seven words. Okay. Let's look at this next verb. What, so we've got chain. We've got grace. It's a verb. And it's to you. What does it mean? How do you translate that? So, sort of, but the active part of the verb is the grace. Yes. That's as close as I can come. May God gracify you. It, there's, there, it's a verb. It's not, here's the noun, grace. God's going to give that to you. It's, may God grace you. What does that imply? Becoming grace? What is grace? Yeah, what, what is ah, I already saw Richard chewing over there. What, what does it mean to be gracified? What does it mean to be gracified? Okay, so being in, may you be, may God cause you to be in a state of what? Doing good. Doing good. And feeling satisfied. And feeling satisfied. So that's grace? Yeah. Okay. I think grace is being favored. Ah, ha, ha. Grace is favor. So what does favor mean? What does favor imply? You're special. You, you, you. It's chosen. You're special. So if you're special, and who are you special to in this case? Right. So there's definitely an element of favor here, for sure. But it doesn't mean it's not exclusive. God can favor everybody. Right? It's it's not in any sense exclusive. Not in any way I'm this and you're not. Right? It's It's not dependent. Right? You take a, a torch and you light a candle off it. Nothing changes in the fire on the torch because you lit a candle. Right? The flame is not diminished because it's spread everywhere. There, there's no way that this is limited. To the people of Israel. No. Huh? This is what goes, the blessing that goes to all the people of Israel. Yeah, but presumably Native American priests can bless their people with chen. That's fine. Yeah, but the story says this is the way you're supposed to bless the people of Israel because those are the only people you're allowed to bless. God's chain is infinite. And presumably other peoples access it, right, how they access it. You Israelites have kohanim who are going to raise their hands and do this. Okay? So, graceify you. Okay, thank you. Masati chen be'enecha. I have found favor in your sight. Chen gets translated often as, I have found chen in your eyes. Grace doesn't work quite as well there, right? I have found grace in your eyes. Okay, but what does that mean? It tends to mean favor. Okay, how do we find favor in God's sight? 
<laughs> so, do right, do good, and cause God's face to light up. All right. Wouldn't you have to read this as directed at the Jews? Because it's ironic. I mean, it's... Uh, what, that we don't do good so much? <laughs> well, so other than the Jews. The yeah, this is an Israelite blessing. No, so it's not that God would bestow it upon everybody. This is directed, this is the idea of the favor. That this is because of an Israelite. Yeah, I did it. Um, so... So, I want to be clear that in the ancient world, people people were within their own, you know, religious expression. This doesn't care about anybody else. It's not saying it's exclusive to Israel. It, it doesn't care about other peoples. Other peoples have what they do. You Israelites, here's how your priests are going to bless you. Whatever happens for everybody else doesn't matter. This is what y'all are going to do. Okay? It's, it's, it's not concerned with anybody else. We get concerned. Well, what does it mean for other... It's irrelevant to this biblical conversation. Now, you want to bring it into today? Well, it's even easier to say, well, of course, every people has its own... You know, the sign of the cross on you. I don't want that as a blessing to me. I don't want to be baptized. I don't, I don't want those blessings. Right? I want this blessing... Does that make sense? Does it, am I excluded from the cross? Being blessed with the cross? Probably. <laughs> right? Because I'm not a believer. I don't care that I'm excluded from that blessing. Because I don't believe that's, that's not my system. No, Something a non-Israelite wouldn't care about this blessing. They want a blessing from Baal. And Asherah, they don't want to be blessed in the name of Yahweh. Who's Yahweh? Right? So I'm just saying it's, I know we get caught in it, but, but it's irrelevant to the system of blessing that we're dealing with. And even today, like even today, so I shouldn't say it's irrelevant just to them. Well, that's great, George. That's good to know. That George will take blessings from anybody. George. <laughs> right? Right, so, so, so yes, but I bet there are some you wouldn't take. May may you be blessed in the Lord Christ Jesus. Would say in, but I did have another grace. The only time I have never heard it in Jewish discussion, and it's always fine grace. You go with Jesus, right? I have not heard it in Jewish. Right, because we have shied away, I think. I mean, this is my opinion. I think we've shied away from grace because it became so associated with Christian theology and with Jesus, God's grace, right, through Jesus, um, that I think we shied away as Jews from using it. But it was ours. That's how it got into Christianity, is it's ours. And it's this part of God that they wanted to access through Jesus. Right, so this gets associated with the kind, loving, chain God, not that angry, wrathful, horrible God of the Torah. Right, and so, so it becomes juxtaposed rather than they're, they're all part of the same reality, capital R. And so it gets pulled out as the new, better, and improved God. That's grace. But, but, but that, 
That's a false dichotomy. We had that as part of our, right? There's God's justice and God's grace that saves us from justice, right? Because what was fair were to happen all the time, we wouldn't survive it. We were at a Presbyterian memorial, and the pastor, Reverend, what they called, it concluded with this blessing, but of course it was through Jesus Christ that was tacked on the end. But it was the exact same words that oh, yeah. Rabbi Because it's their text. It's their Bible, too, right? So they, they absolutely use this blessing. They know it well. But it's through but it Jesus, through right? Um, absolutely, that the sign of protection and right and being included in the... Um, but that, I mean, in Catholic tradition. All right. So call it the Old Testament. Oh, yeah, for sure. Because there's a new and improved. Um, all right, so let's look at... Um, and, by the way... To the question of exclusivity, I feel perfectly comfortable standing with a progressive Christian clergy person and offering this blessing to the congregation. And I have on many an occasion. I do the Hebrew and the pastor does the English. And I have stood at the back and blessed the people. Non-Jews, Jews, everybody. Right? So it's not for me exclusively Jewish. So that, I think that's what I was trying to say: is that there are blessings I will give to anybody, even though originates in our tradition. And there are blessings I will accept from other traditions happily. Right? Native American blessings. And when I was in Duluth, I was always happy to receive a Native American blessing. There are blessings I don't want because I can't affirm. Right? What's being offered? So, you know, so that's, and that's just, it's a personal, it's just, just a personal thing. I'm not saying that there's any right or wrong about it. I'm saying we all have our relationship to inclusivity and exclusivity. There's something lovely about who we are versus who they are, not in an antagonistic kind of way, but just in a, who we are is unique and special. That's exclusive. I love that, that we have a unique tradition that not everybody else has. I love that. I also want to be inclusive. We here at KI are inclusive to a point. Anyone can come to our services. Anyone can come study Torah with us. Anybody can do anything of any religion. We are inclusive. Can they be members? No. Okay. Right. So we're inclusive to a point. We'll, we'll allow them to do anything except give us their money. As members, yes. In in uh, Torah Judaism, can you have grace without justice? Is it like you know you have? In other words, what the deal we seem to have with God is the flip side of it is no justice, no grace. Um, I think that there's there's no way to separate. Like the reality is what it is. God is both just and gracious and merciful and strict and jealous and loving. But you can't get grace for free. You you can get grace for free because that's what grace implies. Yeah, okay. Is that it's free. You don't earn it's not you don't earn grace. It's not dependent on anything. So that's why we lift that one up. (laughs) Right? So what I'm saying is there's no 
You can't separate it all because it just is what it is. We can shine a little light on one of them <laughs> and like focus on it. But with the focus, but with the focus on the face, we also have strictures from God that say, you know, and if you do not do these things, I will turn my face away. So this is this is very important. The shining of God's face is directly over and against, as will this one be, directly over and against God hiding God's face and dropping God's face. So we have, we're going to get to lifting up. There's a, in Kings, there's God dropping God's face towards somebody. That's a very, very bad thing. And if God turns away, you go back in the darkness. Correct. So, and if God turns, and in Kabbalah, this becomes theodicy. This becomes the defense of evil. How can there be evil when God is in the world? Because we experience a period of hesterpanim, a hiding of God's face. Auschwitz, the Shoah, God hides God's face. That's how it could happen. I thought God said to Moses, you shall not see my face, you will only see my back. So it's not that we don't see it. It's turned towards us. We don't see it. Literally see it, right? Hopefully we see in its light, right? We see differently when things are lit up by God's face. I like to think. I mean, that's the image I like. Yeah, so the analogy would be... Sort of the, the cloud that during a, a bright day, there's a cloud that's in front of the sun. You get a, like a lot of brightness from that cloud, but you can't see the sun behind it. Exactly. And it'll hurt your eyes to look directly at the sun. Yeah, you don't do that. Yeah. Right? So, Rita, he was just talking about it's like the sun behind a cloud, that you get the brightness, but you don't see the sun. And if you look at the sun, you do terrible damage because it's too much. Yes, Laura. I was just thinking how kind of face. Oh, okay. Let's go there. All right. So Yisa, what's the what's the name of our Torah portion this week? Naso. Naso, huh? It's in Japanese. It's Aso. <laughs> Once again, the things they cannot prepare you in rabbinical school for. Um, okay, Naso, Yisa, these are all from the same word. It runs throughout our Parsha, like over and over and over in different forms. And uh, it is about lifting up. This whole portion is about lifting up. It's about what the Gershonites and Merarites are going to lift up. It's about porterage of the sacred vessels and of the Mishkan itself. So lifting up is an act of sacred work. Because you're going to you're going to carry it, but you have to lift it up to carry it. So lift. So this is about lifting up, and it's just like light. It's a verb. Yisa Adonai. May Adonai lift up what? God's face. Elecha. To you. Vayasem lecha shalom. So what's Yasem? Place on you. Lichad, in this case, you know. Yeah, to you. 
<coughs> Shalom. And I'm not even gonna I'm not even gonna write the word. Alright, so what? What? This whole business concluding now with may God lift up God's face to you and place upon you wholeness. Wholeness. Right? From the verb shalem. Shin, lamen, mem. Shin, lamen, mem means whole. So what's the conclusion? That we are not whole without God. May God lift up God's face. First of all, what is God lifting up God's face towards you? What's that? Shining the light on you. We already had that. Okay. So what's this? Isn't it a repetition? No. Ah. Ah. Recognition. Someone sees you. Right? So light can just shine towards you if God lifts up God's face towards you it implies recognition being seen being noticed right we if someone if I'm reading and someone calls my name right if I want to acknowledge them and engage with them I'm going to lift my head okay well is God reading Presumably not. So if God's face isn't lifted up until I say this, what is God's face? <laughs> like I ask my seventh graders this all the time, and they're like, uh-huh. uh, right, like, right, right. If I'm saying, may God lift up God's face, where's God's face before that? Down. down. Okay. So what is that about? So God's face is down. Until I say, may God lift up God's face towards you. It's the effect of God's face lifting towards you because it, it makes you lift your face. Right, but I'm asking a different question. I'm asking, what's up with God if God's face has to be lifted up? Where is it before it's lifted up? Studying. Nodding off. <laughs> Bored. Studying. Studying. Ah, Sarah, very rabbinic. A very rabbinic answer. God is learning, of course. God is learning Talmud, of course. Or davening, right? The, the rabbis even have a conversation in the Talmud about what's in God's tefillin. Because in our and it says, Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad. Well, God doesn't need that. Duh. So what's in God's tefillin? Mm, okay. So um, leaving that question aside, I just think it's an interesting, because I think, actually, if, and this is just me being me, but if, in I believe in asking God to lift up God's face towards you, I believe through that blessing we impact God. That it's mutual. That we are asking that God's face be lifted up. Well, where was it before? Down. Okay, well, in giving this blessing, I cause God's face to be lifted up. Isn't that good for God too? <laughs> like it's good for us. Like, but it's kind of chutzpahdick. Right, like, right. But it's not, well, it doesn't necessarily have to be looking down. It could also be simply not specifically focused on any individual. In other words, you're just sort of like 
sitting there. Being God. Being God. Godding. And, 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 Hanging out. And you're, and you're being petitioned to all of a sudden focus on somebody. But the word is Yisah. The word is lift up. So I just think it's interesting. It does not turn towards you, right? It's not focus on you. It's not see you. It's, it's just interesting to me that it's Yisah, to lift up. So the, the many scholars point to other places in the Bible. The one I mentioned from Kings where it says God's face falls. And what they say is this is not God forbid the position of God's head. What it's talking about is may God lift up God's face. What, what happens when you, if you're, keep your head still. What happens if you lift up your face? Don't move your head. Lift your face. If I lift my face, those of you listening to the podcast can't see how ridiculous I look right now, right? So if you're keeping your head still and you just lift your face, you're smiling. Zygomaticus grimace, right? So you're, you're smiling. You're lifting everything. Your eyebrows go up, right? When we, when we, when we look at an infant, what do we do? We lift our face. We lift our, well, I do. You lift your eyebrows. You smile. You you lift everything, which is very LA, but you lift the face. Right? Towards that baby because what is that signaling? And we know it signals deep in the brain to an infant. What are we signaling? Everybody's talking at once, which is a good thing. Happiness, what else? Connection. Recognition. It's the same as when counting the troops lift their faces. Beautiful. So that is one of the places this lifting verb happens in our Parsha. Again, beautiful, Laura. That when you're going to count people, the Hebrew idiomatic expression is lift their heads. That's how you count. That's the word for counting. Lift up their heads. So it's exactly this. To count you means I lift your head. I recognize you. as Okay, but I do want to go back to this expression that we do to infants. You can connect and you can be really present and recognize someone and it not be pretty. I connected with my mother many times and had her recognize me in ways that were devastating. So... What's the difference in lifting the face? Well, love, too. Connection that's of love. I'm happy when I recognize you. Recognizing you, connecting with you, makes me happy. You are valued. You are treasured. You are seen and loved in being seen. Because you can be seen and torn apart by somebody. Because they see you like nobody else and they know exactly where it hurts. So I want to be very clear that, that the lifting of the face is not simply recognition or connection. It's lifting the face is love. Is you, you make me smile when I see you and recognize you. And know you. You are treasured. Am segula. You are a treasured people to me. That is. So is the wholeness 
So having wholeness placed on you is a consequence of being viewed with love. So I believe there's a link. I believe there's a link that all of this results in the blessing of Shalom. When we experience all of this, we are by definition in a place of Shlemut, a place of wholeness and the state that follows from wholeness. What, and I just don't love calling it peace. Right? Um, and, and in many translations, they point to, uh, Shlom, Brit Shlomi, my Brit of Shalom with you. And it's not peace. It's not God saying, I'm going to make a covenant with you that I don't make war against you. It's my covenant of friendship. And in several places in the Bible, we see it. Brit Shlomo, right? The, the, the covenant of God's it's not peace, really. It's beyond peace. It's something qualitatively different than just a, a, a neutral stasis, right? Or not stasis, but um, when you're not at war. What is it? Truce. 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 It's not just like a truce, right? It's, it's a, a breach of a, of a whole different kind of relationship. Why, not, why didn't the rabbis interpret the curse instead of material interpret, say, wholeness? Because that's here. Well, George, you are welcome to write an interpretation that sees this as wholeness and bookends the thing beautifully. There is absolutely no reason why we can't see it that way. All right, I want to close with the position of the hands. So the position of the hands is we spread the two fingers on either side, thumbs connect. And extend forward. This is how the priests would bless the people. This is still how the Kohanim in Orthodoxy and Conservative Judaism, under their talit, they bless the people like this. You will see this on headstones in the cemetery um, for people who are Kohanim, for people who trace their lineage back to being a Kohen, a priest. Um, this is where Leonard Nimoy got it, right? For Spock, live long and prosper, because that is, it's a very Jewish thing. He's saying, he's using his hand like this and then blessing somebody with long life and prosperity. Right? It's right out of his tradition. And he got it for knowledge. And, right. So there's a verse in the Psalms that has the lover peeking through the latticework at the beloved. The rabbis understand the Song of Songs, all of that erotic love poetry, as being between God and Israel, in which case God is the one, because Israel's the feminine, the one being peeked at. God is the one peeking through the latticework at the beloved. And this is the answer about why the priests... The priests provide the latticework, right? Through which God sees the people, the beloved. And should the priests close their hands, the priests become irrelevant. There's commentary by the rabbis. So what is this? The priest turns their back on the ark. It's the only time anyone turns their back on the ark in, in traditional settings. 
the priests turn their back on God in order to become the lattice work, the conduit through which God blesses, sees, recognizes, loves, longs for the people. And if they're not doing that, they are irrelevant. If they're going to choose to face God and make it about their spiritual importance and their enlightenment and their learning and their oration and their whatever, facing this way, look at me, me and God, we're hanging out, I'm the priest, you're not. (laughs) They are irrelevant. And so must we figure out when is it we need to turn our backs on even the divine and our obsession with our whatever in order to become the lattice work, right? Through which the divine blesses, sees, recognizes someone else, right? That it's about kind of stopping our own obsession with us and what's going on with us enough to say, I'm going to turn my back even on that to become, right? The conduit through which the divine accesses and longs for it. Because remember, the lover, the lover's not there. The lover's just looking. The lover is longing and can't get in. Exactly. Right? But it's that sense of longing and seeing the beloved up in the porch in her nightgown. Right? And longing to be together. And what about the three five seven? Ha. All really important numbers in Jewish tradition. And in uh, in other traditions as well all really important and then and then there you can break down into three times you know how many um syllables i mean there's all kinds of things they do with gematria about the numbers represented here to close the talmud says let respect for the congregation be always upon you for behold the kohanim had their faces toward the people and their backs towards the shekhinah the priests stand with their backs toward the holy ark, which is otherwise never done. The Sfatimet explains that we learn from this, that a priest or anyone who achieves spiritual heights must not be selfish and focus only on his or her growth and closeness to God. Rather, after achieving that height, they turn their back to God and turn toward the people. They must realize that the purpose for this growth is to bring God to the people. So may we each figure out how it is as we achieve whatever we achieve in our own lives uh, that we can turn towards each other and make that achievement something that becomes a conduit of blessing for everyone else and for this world that so desperately needs shalom. Shabbat shalom. You've been listening to Rabbi Amy Bernstein's Friday morning Torah study from Kehillat Israel in Pacific Palisades, California. For more information, go to our website, www.ourki.org.